the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have an enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Praise the Lord. It's always a joy to share fellowship in the word of God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 18, he says, but we all, somebody say we all. We say we all. We all with open face beholding us in the glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even us by the spirit of the Lord. For the past couple of weeks now, we've been looking at something from the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 5. 2 Timothy 4, 5. 2 Timothy 4, 5. As for you, let's read it together one go. As for you, endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Somebody say, as for me, I'm sober-minded. I endure affliction. I endure suffering. I do the work of an evangelist. And I fulfill my ministry. It's always important that you understand that you are here to fulfill your ministry. Somebody said the reason for my being here is to fulfill my ministry. Alright, and it's important that you know what the ministry is. If your reason for being here is to fulfill your ministry, then it's critical that we get to know the ministry. It's a wasted life, a life that is lived without fulfilling the purpose for which it was intended. When you live your life without fulfilling the ultimate objective and the ultimate purpose for it, you have abused that life. And it's my prayer that none in this assembly will abuse your life. And none watching this service now will abuse your life. God wired you for a purpose. And the principal purpose is fulfill your ministry. Apostle Paul said, my life is worth nothing. Except I spend it telling others about the good news of the kingdom. Praise God. That's what our life are designed for. As for you, be always sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. And fulfill your ministry. What is that ministry? Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 tells us. He says, All things are of God, who had reconciled us to himself, and has given us a ministry of reconciliation. That is a ministry. Somebody say, I have a ministry, have a ministry. of reconciliation. I have received the ministry of reconciliation. I receive it when I got born again. And I can never lose it. Yeah, if there's one thing you have received from God is a ministry of reconciliation. I was speaking to somebody a couple of weeks back, and the person was telling me that uh, uh, she has had some challenges fulfilling her ministry. I said, "What ministry is that? Is it a singing ministry?" I said, "Well, the last time I checked, that is not a universal ministry. Praise the Lord." There is a particular ministry, if you don't fulfill, you would have to answer critically. Praise God. And it's a ministry of reconciliation. You have to be very aggressive. The focus of this teaching is to help you to understand that this is very, very critical and essential as far as your life as a believer and as a Christian is concerned. Most people don't know what Christianity is about. And in the times we live in, People interpret Christianity to mean so many things. They think that it's an opportunity to receive some material returns. It's an opportunity to get some improvement in our lives. But one basic reason why we were redeemed 
is so we will become agents of redemption for other people. Somebody say an amen. amen. That's it. What the Bible said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's simply what he was talking about. In the book of Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, he said, let this mind be in you. Somebody say, have the same mentality. Yeah, you have to have the same mentality. What was the mentality? The mentality Christ had was that though he was God, he considered in no robbery to be equal with God, but abdicated his position as God and took upon himself the form of a man and what was made in the fashion as a man. The Bible says he humbled himself and became obedient unto death for himself. No, for others that through obedient death on the cross, multitudes will come to know the name, will come to the saving knowledge of he who died and resurrected the third day to bring us redemption. Can somebody say an amen? amen? So that is the attitude. The attitude, the same attitude we are called to have. So we said that we are called to fulfill the ministry of reconciliation. So the teaching series broadly is doing the work of an evangelist. And we are looking at part four tonight. Doing the work of an evangelist. Somebody say, I am supposed, I am supposed. to do the work of an evangelist. Alright, so we establish the fact that if you are going to do the work of an evangelist, we need to appreciate the fact that the work of evangelism is a mandate. And I want you to look at Mark chapter 16 verse 15 with me. Mark chapter 16 verse 15 with me. And he said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go where? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's the mandate. The mandate is a go ye mandate. Go. That's the mandate. So we said that if you are going to fulfill the ministry, fulfill our ministry of evangelism or do the work of an evangelist, the foremost thing we need to appreciate is that the, the work of evangelism is a divine mandate. Somebody say divine mandate. Say it's a divine mandate. Yeah, he said, go. That's the mandate. That's a divine mandate. And that mandate needs a motivation. Somebody say a motivation. motivation. So not only are we to go, there are things that must motivate us to go. And the last time I checked, I realized that for the early church, what motivated them was obedient to Christ, anchored on love for Christ and for those he died for. So I said, our principal motivation for fulfilling the mandate of evangelism must be our obedience to Christ anchored on our love for him and everyone he died for. Somebody say, my principal motivation for doing the work of evangelism is my obedience to Christ anchored on my love for him and everyone he died for. Yeah, yeah. It's not legalistic obedience. It's a love-driven obedience. When you love God, you are naturally motivated. So we're saying that our principal motivation, and the reason why I use principal motivation is that last week, I remember I walked you through 10 motivations to do the work of evangelism. You remember? Yeah, I walked you through the fact that sin is universal and has universal consequences, the inestimable value of a soul, the brevity of life. Somebody say, life is short. Say life is short. That song, if you have not heard it in a very long time, you can go back and listen to it. Ben is a fair. So you see, my brother's life is so short. It passes so quickly and soon it's gone. Just have one life to live. Remember your curator while you have breath. Powerful song. Powerful song. Powerful song. Last week when this thought hit me, the brevity of life hit me. I had to go back and look for the song on YouTube and download it. Life is short. The Bible says your life is like a flower. It's here today and tomorrow is gone. And so if you are going to spend your life in a very short way, you better use it doing the most important thing. Yeah. Very, very important. We said that among other things, the certainty of death for all is to motivate us. Everyone is appointed to die. The Bible said it's a universal appointment. The rich dies, the poor dies, the literate die, the uh, illiterate die, the carpenter dies, the lawyer dies. Everyone has an appointment. And all of us will meet it one day. And when that appointment comes, something else also follows. It's appointed unto man to die once, and after death, judgment. 
Judgment is also, the Bible said, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Those of us who are born again to be rewarded and to be rep reprimanded. And then those who are not born again, they will meet him before the white throne judgment. Where they will be cast into the eternal lake of fire. And then number six, we said that impossibility of repentance after death. There's nobody who can repent after death. The moment you die, the docket is closed. It cannot be reviewed. It cannot be appealed. You remember when the rich man died, he said, I wish that somebody will assist me. The man told him it was too late. And then, of course, the longevity of eternity. Somebody said the longevity of eternity. Eternity is not a short time. It's a very long time. So it's so long that we call it everlasting. It's so long that we call it what? Everlasting. Everlasting. So when you are with God, you are everlastingly with God. And when you are in hell, you are everlastingly in hell. And that should motivate us to rescue people. And then, of course, we talked about the agency and the nature of the Lord's return. If you look around you, every day they are announcing that there is a certain pandemic that is going. They should tell you something. The Bible says when the, the times are drawing nearer, there will be plagues all over the place. They should tell you something. Wars and rumors of wars. We are not over with Russia and Ukraine yet. And China is aggressively wanting to pursue war with Taiwan. Praise the Lord. And once Taiwan and China meet, you must understand that the world forces everybody because we live in the world where there are two blocks. You are either with Chinese Russian block or you are with American NATO block. And these two, they don't agree. Any little provocation from one end will lead to another. And you see, <laughs> you see, if there should be world war, nobody wins. But thankfully, it will not meet us here. When these signs, there will be wars and rumors of war. You know rumors of war? Rumors of war, threats of war. Everywhere. Everywhere. You see, if there is a time where you have to become more conscious of the urgency of eternity, it is now. Somebody say it's now. It's now. It's now. It's now. A man of God said that it's possible that within the next 10 years, Christ will come. But we don't know the time. But if you look at the events, I think he said it about two or three years ago. And if you look at the events that have happened from COVID to now monkey post to whatever post, all over the place, it should tell you that something is happening. See, when you are born again, it's, it's excitement to know that the Lord's coming is, is drawing nearer. When you are not born again, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's kind of threatening. But when you are born again, it should be a motivation that, hey, it's time for me to, my time to get my reward is drawing nearer. And I must inject more energy into my work. When people are running a race and they are getting to the tail end, you see that even those who are behind, they try their best to be able to see if they can achieve some medal for themselves. Will you be able to attain a medal for yourself? I pray that just as you are striving and struggling to attain things in this life, may you struggle for things in eternity. May you struggle for incorruptible things. The Bible said, they that run in a race, run all, but one receiver the prize. Run that he may obtain. He said, these people, they run for incorruptible prize, but we run for a prize that, they run for a corruptible prize, but we run for an incorruptible prize. That's what we are calling for. Praise the Lord. So the agency of his return and the, and the nature of his return, you won't know the time. You don't know the time. I don't know the time. But God is so good that though he didn't give us the time, he gave us enough signs to prepare us. There are signs. When you see certain signs, you know you are dealing with malaria. Before confirmatory tests, you already know what you are dealing with. Number nine is the terror of the Lord. Somebody say the terror of the Lord. Yeah, most people don't know that God is a terrorist. <laughs> but he has reserved this terror for the last day. He doesn't want people. <laughs> when you read the, 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 the prophets, he said, The day of the Lord is terrible. Read Jonah, read Joel, you see. The day of the Lord is a day of gloominess and darkness. <laughs> it just tells you that this God, He's loving and merciful, but He can also be very terrible. 
Last week, I walked you through a number of those things. So you don't take things for granted. And of course, the principal motivation is the love of God. Somebody say the love of God. The love of God. So I am telling you today that our principal, somebody say my principal motivation for fulfilling the mandate of evangelism must be my obedience to Christ anchored on my love for him and everyone he died for. The Bible said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. The fact that you are not keeping it, the fact that you are not minded about it shows that you don't love him. Today, we've looked at one, the mandate. We looked at the motivation. Today, we are looking at the message. Somebody say the message. message. We're looking at the message today. So the mandate, the motivation, and the message. The message. And we have all of that in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. He said unto them, go ye into all the world. That's the mandate. Go into all the world. The motivation, we are told in verse 20. And they went everywhere, preaching the word and the Lord confirming the word with signs following. They went in obedience and God confirmed his word. Today we are looking at going to all the word and preach. He didn't say go preach about your cars. Go preach about visas. Go preach about your houses. He said go preach the... Go preach the gospel. Go preach the... Go preach the... Verse 15. He says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Let's say it. Go ye into all the world and do what? We are to go and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. He did not just send us to go. He also told us what to preach. What to preach. There are people who have gone, but they are preaching something different. But I want you to be a preacher of the gospel. Somebody say, I'm a preacher of the gospel. Say, I'm a preacher of the gospel. The Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. I'm a preacher of the gospel. Look at God's evangelistic plan. We see that in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. There are four points in God's universal evangelistic plan. God's universal evangelistic plan. Here we see it. CV version says, But the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you power. Then you will tell everyone about me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and in everywhere in the world. Let's read it together. One go. But the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you Then you will tell everyone about me in Samaria, four key things that the scripture reveals. Number one, it tells us about the enabler. Somebody say the enabler. Yeah, if you are going to do the work of evangelism, God starts with the enabler. That's why prayer is the foundation for effective evangelism. You cannot effectively reach out to anybody and get the person saved and established without investing qualitative prayer. Because we are not the people who get others saved. It's the Holy Ghost that gets people saved. And so the Bible says you will receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you power. Then he says, once that happens, then you are going to do it. So number one, he says, the enabler is first. The Holy Ghost comes. He told them in the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 49. He said, tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So the first step in God's evangelistic plan is the enabler, the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, the Holy Spirit living in me empowers me to do the work of an evangelist. I have resource. I get resource. Souls are saved. Souls are established. As I preach the gospel. Because I'm enabled. By the spirit of God. That's it. That's it. So first is the enabler. Number two is the message. Number two is the message. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost. Let's go back to the text again. You see that there. At chapter 1 verse 8. The Holy Ghost comes and then. 
There is a message you have to go and carry. But the Holy Spirit will come upon you and he will give you power. Then you will tell everyone about me in Jerusalem. What's the message? The message is Jesus. Jesus Christ is the content of the gospel message. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. The Christ Christ. is the gospel. Yeah, the gospel is Christ. Christ is the gospel. If you look at uh, the book of Acts, we are told what this man preached. Acts chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. Therefore, those who scattered went everywhere preaching, preaching, preaching. Now, let's look at verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached who? Christ to them. He went to Samaria and preached Christ to them. That's the message. The message of the gospel is Christ. Christ who died. Christ who was buried. Christ who resurrected. That is a message. Somebody said the message is Christ. So everything else can be preached. But if Christ is not preached, the gospel is not preached. The gospel is Christ. You have to understand when we say we are presenting the gospel. What are we presenting? We are presenting Christ. So in one verse, we see the source. The power behind the preaching of the gospel. We see the message of the gospel. Then we see the messengers of the gospel. Who are those who are called to preach? Who can preach the gospel? In Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my. You will be my. Who will be his witnesses? His disciples. Those of us who are born again, we will be his witnesses. And that is seen and very consistent with 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 20. He said, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new what? The old life is gone and a new life has. Now, the moment a new life begins for you, how old must I be as a Christian to be able to preach the gospel? The moment you are saved. How long do I need? What many verses must I know? You don't need to know anything. All you need to know, once I was blind, now I see. Once I used to be an unbeliever, now I am saved. And this was how I got saved. You sharing that with anyone is sharing your faith with the other person. That's what the Bible is saying here. He said, anyone who belongs to Christ is a new Christian. All things are past, will be old. All things have become new. Then he says, and all this is not an effort from you. Verse 18. All of this is a gift. Somebody say, it's a gift. Somebody say, I'm gifted. gifted. That's what we are doing at the Excel service. You are gifted. God has gifted us with many things, but he's given us a gift of eternal salvation. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and has given us this task of reconciling people. Reconciling people. Verse 19. For God was in reconciling the world to him. No longer counting people's. And he gave us this wonderful, 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 wonderful. Do you know you have a wonderful message? Why don't you share that wonderful message with everyone? We have a wonderful message. It's a message of reconciliation. And next week, I'll be telling you a bit about what the gospel is not. Because there are a lot of things we hear. Sometimes very passionately preach. But that is not the gospel. That's not the gospel. It's not the gospel at all. Number four is the recipient. So we see the recipient. One, we see the enabler. We see the message. We see the messenger. And then we see the recipients of the message. Every time you are carrying a message, there is somebody who is supposed to receive the message. No, so? Yeah. There is somebody who is supposed to receive the message. Who is supposed to receive the message? Here, we are told. He says, but the Holy Spirit will come upon you and he will give you power. Then you will tell everyone. Somebody say everyone. Everyone. Say everyone. everyone. Okay. Everyone needs to hear. Everyone. 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 Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature, everyone needs to hear. Everyone must hear. I don't know which guy sang this song. Maybe, I think it's uh, uh, Tego Sisters. Everybody must know, everybody must know, everybody must know who Jesus is. How many of you know that song? 
He's a lily of ever. He's a lily of ever. He's the brightest morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousands. Everybody ought to know. Yeah, that's Tego Sisters. Many years ago, he's a lily of a valley. And he's a savior of a world. The recipient of the message. The whole world. So, you cannot say, I have preached the gospel until every nation hears it. Thank God for technology that can bring the world to people where they are. Thank God for radio that can bring the gospel to people where they are. Thank God for mediums that by the Holy Spirit's power can be used to bring the gospel to people even in nations where human movement, missionaries are denied access. The gospel is still penetrating through various mediums. Can somebody say an amen? Amen. Alright, so that is the key evangelistic strategy. Four things. Now we want to look at understanding the gospel. Understand the gospel. The word gospel simply means good news. Somebody say good news. news. What will be the, uh, the message of good news to somebody who has lost his car key? The key is what? The key is what? Somebody who is poor. Your wealth is here. Somebody who is condemned to hell. There's now no condemnation. Can you imagine? So that is good news. The gospel is good news. The gospel is good news. Say it. The gospel is good news. Say the gospel is good news. The gospel is good news. One of the things popular news stations do, they do all the time, they carry bad news. They carry bad news. There is no news that is breaking unless it's bad news. Most breaking news are bad news. Yeah. I sometimes in the afternoon listen to maybe joy news to just get to know what's going on. And it's amazing. I don't know who, I've forgotten her name. And it's, it's better I don't put out her name. But it's amazing when she's, pronounced, she's presenting bad news. The energy with which she speaks. I can sense it in her voice. It's like she's very passionate about it. Yeah. Very, very passionate. I don't know who that person is. I know her because she gives out her name, but I'll mention her name. Very passionate. I said, this is the devil. Empowered to produce bad news. <laughs> can you imagine? Somebody is presenting bad news with passion. And you cannot care much about the good news you have. You can't care much about it. You can't care much about it. Paul said, I'm not ashamed. In fact, some people are actually ashamed to say it. They are ashamed to tell their bosses they are born again. They are ashamed to let other people know, their colleagues know, that they speak in tongues. They are ashamed to let people know that they are active in church. They play effective role in church. They are ashamed. Jesus said, whosoever will be ashamed of me, and of my words in this adulterous, useless generation, I'll be ashamed of him before my father. You can be ashamed. Paul said, I'm not ashamed. That is Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed. Why? Because it's good news. The preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish. But unto us which are saved is the power of God. Somebody say the gospel is the power of God. He said, I'm not ashamed of the God. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and to the Greek. Verse 17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. Three basic elements of the gospel. Three basic elements. We see that from 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1 to 4. Now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you, please follow this reading closely. Just write the text and then uh, watch the screen as we read it together. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the, of the, I preach to you. Paul is talking about the gospel. He says, I want you to be reminded of the gospel which I preach to you. Now listen. Which you receive and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are, by this gospel you are, by this gospel you are, by stories people are saved. By what are they saved? By what are they saved? By the gospel, people are saved. 
by the gospel. He said, by this gospel you are saved. If you hold on firmly to the word, I pray to you. Otherwise, you are believed in vain. Verse 4. So he's going to talk about it. For what I received, I passed on to you. As of importance, what I received, I passed on to you. This is the element you need to know about the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Christ did what? Christ died for our sins. according to the Scripture. good verse four that he was Buried. that he was Buried. on the third day according to the scriptures. Those are the three key things the gospel is anchored on. If you see people, religions doubt and resist the power of the gospel along these lines. They will either resist the deity of Christ or resist the death of Christ or the burial or the resurrection of Christ. And that's the gospel. That's it. He says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and then the resurrection is what followed. He was raised according to the scriptures. That's what Paul was speaking. He says if it's in this hope we have life, then we are of all men most miserable. And the reason why we can have hope after death is because of these things. He died, he was buried, he was resurrected. And that is why you will die, you'll be buried, and then you'll rise. Praise the Lord. And if he tarries, some of us will be here when he comes to rapture us. If you believe, you'll be part. Say an amen. So when a believer dies, it's not a time of intense mourning and sorrow. No. No. He wrote and told the the Thessalonian church. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant as people who don't have hope. Because, you see, when we sleep in this life, we are just making a crossover. Somebody say crossover. Crossover. Say crossover. Crossover. Yeah, crossover. Crossover, crossover. Different ways the gospel is described. So there are three things you need to know about the gospel. Three elements. The death, somebody say the death. The burial and the resurrection of Christ. Different ways the gospel is described in scripture. One, the gospel is described as the gospel of the kingdom. Somebody say the gospel of the kingdom. Matthew 24 verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached unto all nations. Somebody say the gospel of the kingdom. Okay, so the gospel is described as the gospel of the kingdom. Number two, the gospel is described as the gospel of God. The next three descriptions, we have them coming from Romans. And Romans is a book about the gospel. Romans is a book about the gospel. Someday, we will look at the book of Romans. Romans is a book of the gospel. The gospel appears on several counts in the book of Romans. Romans 1.1, he says, Paul, a born servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of who? The gospel of who? The gospel of God. Look at 2.16, Romans 2.16. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. The gospel is also called Paul's gospel. He calls it his gospel because he he preached the gospel. He did not just preach the gospel. He fully preached the gospel. That's what he said. He said from uh, Rome all the way to Irelacrim, I have fully preached the gospel. He fully preached it as Apostle Paul, my gospel. Now, number 4D is the gospel of Christ. Somebody say the gospel of Christ. Say the gospel of Christ. Look at that. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Somebody say the power of God. Say the power of God. Now, so you don't have to think that there's any contradiction anywhere. There's no contradiction. What it simply tells you is that God is the author of the gospel. Christ is the theme of the gospel and man is the recipient of the gospel. That's it. Those three things are called. God is the author of the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him. So the gospel is authored by God. The gospel has a theme of Christ, and the gospel is for man's redemption. Three key facts about the gospel tonight. Three key facts about the gospel. One, 
The gospel is a universal message. Somebody say the gospel is a universal message. Uh, it's a universal message. The gospel is a universal message. There are things that you can preach to some people, but you can preach to everybody. The gospel is a universal message. Somebody said the gospel is a universal message. Yeah, it's a universal message. It's a universal message. One of the most important phrases in the gospel is the word whosoever. Somebody say whosoever. Whosoever. Whosoever means that whosoever. Short, tall, fair, uh, dark, uh, whatever. Chocolate, oh, green, whatever. Whatever color possible there is. Whether Greek, nor Jew, uh, Fanti, Shanti, wherever. The gospel is a universal message. It's a message to the Greek. It's a message to the Roman. It's a message to the Jew. It's a message to everyone. To the Nigerian, it's the same message. Somebody said the gospel is a universal message. Look at it. The Bible says, go ye into all the world. It's a universal message. You can preach it everywhere. The gospel is a universal message. He said, you will tell everyone about me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Everywhere in the world. That is to say the gospel is a universal message. Praise the Lord. The word whosoever was used by Jesus. It was used by Paul. And the last book of the Bible, look at John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoso, whoso, whoso. All right, come to Romans chapter 10 verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Somebody said the gospel is a universal message. Okay, number three, we see it in Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come and let that him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. Whosoever, 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 there's no limitation. Everybody, you see the reason why everybody will stand before God on judgment day is because the gospel was given for everybody. And we have a mandate. In fact, in Matthew 24, verse 14, he says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all nations for a witness. Then the end will come. Give me that text. Uh, that's it. And this gospel of the kingdom. Somebody said, this gospel of the kingdom. Shall be preached in what? All the word for a witness unto what? Unto what? Yeah. Why? Because, you see, if a person does not hear the gospel, God cannot hold him accountable. If a person does not hear the gospel, God cannot hold him accountable. He needs to hear the gospel and hear the whosoever component of the gospel and use his own volition and will and say, I am not answering. That's what the Bible is saying here. Who's, he said, this gospel shall be preached unto all nations. I believe that before Christ comes, all kinds of technologies will be invented. Just to make sure that everybody, you think Facebook, YouTube, and all of those things, they came for nothing. They are God's supernatural inventions to make sure that everyone in every nook and cranny on the planet will hear the gospel. When you hear the gospel, then you have a choice to make. Are you with me here? So, whosoever is critical. Now, four reasons why the gospel is a universal message. One, sin is universal. Somebody say sin is universal. universal. Yeah, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Sin is universal. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All. Somebody say all. Sin is universal. The offer for salvation is also universal. God's offer for salvation is only for a limited group of people. In the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 1 to 4, he said, I exhort therefore that first of all prayers, supplications, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all those who are in authority. He says... For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men. Somebody say all men. Say all men. All men to what? To be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So one, sin is universal for all of sin. God wants all men saved. Sin is universal. All men have the offer of salvation. And listen, the command for repentance is also universal. Somebody say the command for repentance. Yeah. 
when you receive the gospel, the obligation to repent and believe the gospel is universal. In the book of Acts chapter 17, verse 30, he said, And the times of ignorance God winked at, but now commanded all men everywhere to what? All men everywhere to what? Everybody to repent. God expects repentance from everybody. So, sin is universal. All men have sinned. God wants all men saved. All men are commanded to repent. And then number three is the fact that the invitation to believe is universal. Somebody say the invitation to believe. believe. Uh, It's universal. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 to 11. He said that, but if thou shalt confess with the arm of the Lord Jesus and believe with your heart that God had raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with confess, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 11. Let's look at 11. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Simple. The gospel is for all. Somebody say the gospel is for all. Say the gospel is for all. The gospel is for all races, all cultures, all tribes, all nations, all tongues, all people groups on the planet. The gospel is for all. It's for those in Iraq. It's for those in Saudi Arabia. It's for those in UAE. It's for every human being on the planet. Because sin is universal. God's offer for salvation is universal. The command to repent is universal. And the invitation to believe Christ and make him your Lord and your Savior is universal. So we are looking at three key facts about the gospel. Number one, the gospel is what? The gospel is what? Number two is that the gospel is a powerful message. Somebody says it's a powerful message. The gospel is a powerful message. It's a very powerful message. There's no message as powerful as the gospel. When the gospel is truly preached, people will respond. Most of the time, what people hear is not the gospel. So instead of responding, people actually run away. It hardens people. When the gospel is genuinely preached and understood, people respond. The gospel is a powerful message. Sometimes people think that we have to use other means to get people saved. No, 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 no. And some people think that the gospel is too simple. That if you call on God, you'll be saved. That looks so simple. (laughs) They want something more complex. What they don't know is that the gospel's power is in its simplicity. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is powerful to save. Somebody say it's powerful to save. It's powerful to save. It's powerful to save. To the hardened criminal, it's powerful to save. One who has been a prostitute all her life, the gospel is powerful to save. It's powerful to save. The chiefest of sinners. First Timothy 1.15. Paul said, uh, this is a true saying that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am. Now, chief sinner Paul became chief preacher Paul. That's the power of the gospel. That's why he, the gospel so transformed his life. At some point, he began to address it as my gospel. He was so transformed by the gospel. Somebody said the gospel has power to save. That's why we have to preach it. We have to preach it with conviction. We have to preach it with boldness. We have to preach it because it has the power to save and to change. The gospel has power to save. Planting the seed of the word in the hearts of people is giving them the opportunity to be saved. So number one, the gospel is a universal message. Number two, the gospel is a powerful message. Number three, the gospel is a demonstrable message. Somebody say demonstrable message. Yeah, demonstrable message. It means that it needs to be demonstrated. The gospel cannot be hidden. It has to be demonstrated by our lives and through mighty signs and wonders. Demonstrable. Demonstrable. Something that you can demonstrate. Show it to somebody. That's what it means. The gospel is a demonstrable message. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. Paul said, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech and wisdom. I didn't come with all of those word, word things. I didn't come with excellent grammar too much. I didn't come with finesse. I didn't come with so much quality talk and all of those gimmicks. I didn't have all of that. I didn't come with that. 
But I, des- for I decided to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. Now, you, you know what that means? That's the gospel. Except Christ. Because we said the gospel is what? Christ. So, except Christ and him crucified. He said, for I was with you in weakness and in much, in fear and in much trembling. Verse 4. And my speech. Somebody say, my speech. My speech. And my this is what we are talking about. My message were not in placible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. So the gospel communicates power. The demonstration of power. One of the scriptures I like so much, it's Acts chapter 1 verse 1. The Bible says, I write unto you, O Theophilus, of all the things Jesus began to do and to teach. That's what he did. You see, the gospel is not just a teaching. It's a doing. Praise the Lord. So when you go preach the, preaching the gospel, seize opportunity to do something. You meet somebody who is sick. That's a fine opportunity. Lay your hands on the person and pray. The Bible said they went and preached the gospel. The Lord was working with them. You, you, now, now, the Lord was working with them. You, he's in you. So he works with you even much better. He wasn't in them. He was with them. By you, he's in you and he's also willing to work with you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Lay your hands on the sick person. And after presenting the gospel, tell him, Jesus did not just come to save you. He also came to heal you. Can somebody say an amen? First Thessalonians chapter. Listen, as you do so, testimonies will be following you. The Bible said, and the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following you see, they were working. What work were they doing? They were laying their hands on the sick. And when they laid their hands on the sick, God worked with them. This Saturday, God will work with you. Yeah. I said, God will work with you. Yeah. The Holy Ghost will work with you. Yeah. Every time you have an opportunity to preach the gospel and you release your faith, God will work with you. Yeah. Shout a believing amen. Yeah. So the gospel is a universal message. The gospel is it's a powerful message. The gospel is a demonstrable message. First Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 5. For our gospel did not come to you in word only. And also, but also in power. Somebody say in word only. It did not come in word only, but also in power. Also in power. And in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. I see you walk in power. Amen. I see you manifest power. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Listen, the full gospel of Christ cannot be preached without the accompanying of the power of God. The accompaniment of the power of God. When the full gospel is preached, signs are done. Wonders also happen. Look at Romans chapter 15 as I close. Romans 15 verse 18 to 19. For I will not dare speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and in deed to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and in mighty signs and mighty signs and wonders will follow you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Isaiah says, and as for me and the children whom the Lord has given me, we are for signs and wonders. Signs and wonders who accompany you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Paul is speaking here. He says, in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem to where? From Jerusalem and run about to Irilicum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. I have fully preached so we have not fully preached the gospel until we demonstrate the power of the gospel. This weekend, as we step out and all through this operation, in these eight weeks of operation, fill the room. I see you demonstrate great signs. Some of you have never had the testimony of praying for someone who is sick and healing is manifesting. But get ready in this season of fasting and prayer. That will happen in your life. In this season of reaching out to souls, that will happen in your life. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Open your mouth and begin to pray. Now, I want you to pray about this. Listen. You have a target of two souls to establish in the house. Two souls saved, two souls established. You want to pray and say, Lord, not only will you guide my feet to the souls, 
but you also bring conviction to them when I invite them. And you drive them by your spirit to your place. Mine is to extend the invitation. Yours is to bring them. Open your mouth and begin to pray to God. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We look forward to having you join us again and again. We are blessed. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh, no.